Hello and welcome to episode 346 of the Veg Grower podcast. My name's Richard and I am on a mission to grow as much food as I can in my allotment and modern day victory garden. Now this podcast is a day late and I apologise for that but, well, I recorded a podcast last night, got it home and my guest, who you hear in just a moment, unfortunately was far too quiet and I could not pot it out. Nothing to do with his voice because... He's an expert in this sort of thing. His name is Richard Vobes, otherwise known as the Bald Explorer. Richard Vobes, how are you doing today? Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing very well. I'm sorry, my voice was very quiet. <laughs> I will uh, I will try and sing louder. <laughs> it wasn't your fault. It was my fault for not checking the buttons properly. We were slightly rushed in, we were. The, in the thing. So yeah. we're not so rushed now. No, no. So we hopefully should actually get a bit more of a laid back yeah, podcast. We we had a rehearsal yesterday. We'll put it like that. Mm. Now, what I what I wanted to get you on for, and we discussed this on your live show last night. So, if anybody wants to go back to the Vogue show on Wednesday, the eighth of July, and see it, highly recommend it. But you've had a bit of a epiphany with regards to your concern for food and where it comes from, or what goes into the soil and, and various things like that. I'll hand that over to you to explain your concerns. Well, I think this must have been growing on me in the background uh, for a long time that I wasn't really aware of. Um, you know, people like you growing your own vegetables, the lovely Julia who knows about environmental things and um, uh, permaculture, I think she calls it. Permaculture, yeah, yeah that's, that's a it. method of gardening. A yep. method of gardening. And um, and the fact that I, I mean, years ago, I used to do something called The Harvest. And this was, um, it didn't go on YouTube, which is a weird thing. I made some uh, videos under the name The Harvest. And we're talking about 2005, something like 2006, two, maybe a bit later, 2008. And I was going around Sussex to producers farm producers so the kenton wheeled farm shop um oh, i'm just trying to think there was a whole load of different producers um chili peats um chili, chili peppers farm. yeah yep. unfortunately and, and i interviewed him before he died and mm. he's since passed away um and this went online and i was doing farmers markets and covering these and, and it never really went anywhere i think i was just too early um yeah. before youtube really got going and and so I let that die. But I've been interested in food and natural food. And then that sort of waned and I've got on with my normal nonsense of doing my heritage landscape and nature thing, the Bald Explorer. And I read a lot. And as you we're sitting in my <laughs> we're sitting in my office here and as you can see, there's quite a lot of books on diverse subjects. And I've started to read a book um, called The Theft of the Countryside by Marion Shord, I think her name is Shoad or something like that, S-H-O-A-R-D, Shord, Shoad. And she was talking about the fact that in the 50s and 60s principally, but after the Second World War, there was this huge change, a big sea change from mixed farming to a monoculture-style farming of arable in particular and a lot of the countryside was being gobbled up by this farming technique to turn old pastures um, and things like the South Downs into 
farms, at particularly arable farming, small fields were being widened by digging up hedgerows. And this I found fascinating to think of this because it immediately chimed in my childhood with being in farms that had beautiful lush meadows and now they were planting this Italian rye grass which seemed to be this universal crop. Well then I started reading another book by Graham Harvey, advisor to the uh, archers um, and scriptwriter there, who said in his book, um, which is called We Want Real Food, that the new type of farming, reiterating what she was saying, but saying that the minerals and the nutrients were disappearing from the soil and the farmers were having to put in artificial nutrients, which wasn't sufficient really in the foods. And she and and therefore the food that you buy in the in the supermarkets hadn't got enough of the good quality stuff in it. And as a result of that, we're not eating the good quality food and as a result of that more people are becoming ill and they've got things like diabetes and cancers and um, dementia and these things all from the nutrients in the soil which are being eroded sorry that was a very long uh, <laughs> description of what was happening but it, 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 when you rang me about this the other day it's, it fired something off in me because one of the reasons when I started the VegGrow podcast was for this very reason. I wanted good quality food. And I know if we buy, let's take a carrot, something as simple as a carrot, we buy it from a supermarket, it's not an orange, is it? It's a very pale orange. We go to a market farm or we grow our own, you get that orange carrot. That's got to be down to lack of nutrients or there's something not quite right with that supermarket carrot well and more than just the color it's the taste yeah and um graham harvey talks about there's two ways to taste sorry there's two ways to know if your food has got nutrients and minerals in number one is the taste if it tastes really good it probably has uh number two if you can't trust or aren't experienced in your taste buds because you're only used to bland stuff or you don't know what you know what your taste buds are telling you the other way is to to, to use a scientific thing and I can't remember what he called it was either a Bix or a Brix um, test and this right. is a, a device that can actually look at the uh, y- y- you you basically crush it into a liquid and it will look in at the liquid and it's something to do with light refractment uh, right. which is a, I didn't fully understand it but anyway so there's a scientific way of testing or but you can rely on yourself and after a after a bit of while of tasting real food and then supermarket food, you soon know because you can taste it. Yeah. And, you know, and if you start eating all of that, say a couple of weeks down the line, you're going to feel different because you're suddenly getting all those things that you ought to have been getting that your life depends on um, that you haven't been getting or you've sort of been getting because your carrot has be either been fortified through artificial um, fertilizers and things that have be, would have tried to make the soil give the mineral quantity that it needs. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it's far better if if it's natural. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I also think that if you look at a vegetable, I also believe there's something in humans that just knows that that one vegetable is better for you than the other just by looking at it. 
I don't know if it is down to the colour or just something inside our humans that just knows. Does that make sense to you? Um, I, I, I kind of guess it does. I mean, everything looks the same in a supermarket. Yeah. Because and unless you buy the wonky ones, mm-hmm. uh, which is now fashionable to do because they're <laughs> cheaper, uh, and yet there's absolutely nothing wrong with them other than the fact that they are wonky um, and they're still also deficient in... <laughs> <laughs> just as deficient, you know. Yeah. That's that's the other thing is it, it's it's a, a marketing ploy to use up what they would have been throwing away or put as animal feed, presumably. Yeah. Um, and selling it for a premium price, even though it's a knockdown price. But it's and so to the to the um, consumer, you might go, oh, actually, these might be more healthy because they're not the uniform carrots that that fit the description that they ought to but actually they're just as you know in terms of nutrients and quality they're just the same they're just as lacking of because mm. they're just they're deformed but going back to your looking of how they are you go in and, and everything just looks well it, it it just looks bland because there's no there's no diversity in the shape mm. um, and the color and what have you and if you go into a farm shop where people have grown them locally and you look at them you go wait those carrots have character <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about them that make them really appealing. And as you say, you look at them and you go, actually, they, they look very tasty. They don't look like they're um, anemic. Yeah. And totally. carrots can look, you know, a big bag of carrots. You look at them and they are in it. And then you open that carrot. And if you don't eat them within two or three days, they've all gone. They go all that horrible mushy yeah. and they start going really, really vile and smell very quickly. Yeah, or bags of leaf salad now. Oh, I, my God. Don't yeah. they honk? Don't they honk? Well, they actually fill those bags with uh, inert gas of some description so as it will look colourful in the shop. Now, if I grow, go and grow some salad leaves, which I do anyway, I harvest them. Within a few hours, they are wilted. Right. Unless I take any action, such as putting them in water. A day or two, and they are pretty much gone. Gone. Yeah, those bags of salad leaves can stand on that shelf for a few days and still look as good as the day it was bought because it's got that gas in that bag. Right. But but it's the leaves of the plants that these plants are still photosynthesizing. They're still taking in oxygen and trying to... So are they taking in that gas, that gas. as well? Yeah. It's, um, it's quite scary when you start analysing it. I mean... I'm sure that the people who do these things know it, whether it's dangerous or not for us. But Well, I, I mean, obviously there are um, certain specifications that they have to stand up to, which mm. will be approved to say, actually, it is quite safe. But that might be safe in the short term. But we don't know what it is going to be in a, you know, a long-term person's life. Um, because... If you were to put somebody who is eating the carrots they've grown in soil that has been looked after and nurtured against the shop stuff, you may find that actually a whole load of, you know, may not live any longer, but you certainly may live the fact that your joints haven't seized up as quickly mm. or that you're, um, you're not suffering from all sorts of other conditions that may be contributed by these others. Or just the fact, really, to me, it's just the fact that whatever they do to it, if they haven't got these nutrients in at the beginning of the, the story from the soil, you, you're on a hiding to nothing. It doesn't really matter what they do. 
Hey. Other than from their point of view, flogging them, selling them, getting them out to the and, and being convenient. Ooh. And um, it's 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 interesting because I mentioned uh, in the show last night that we did that uh, there are barely any greengrocers anymore. And I had uh, an email, not an email, a, a comment on the video. Um, there's Richard Vobes saying there's no greengrocers and, and they were in Birmingham somewhere and they mentioned that there were a number near where they are and they said, oh, that Richard Vobes, you know, he needs to get out of Worthing because his whole world seems to just evolve around Worthing, which it does at the moment, thanks to COVID, thank you. <laughs> um, but I thought, well, is that really true, though? Because I think that this the, the demise of the greengrocer who are buying locally, I think that's everywhere, mm. pretty much, because... Wherever the people who are getting their vegetables from, there's not many options to get good, honest vegetables that have been grown very well anyway. Mm. Well, I've got a greengrocer in Littlehampton where I live, and a greengrocer is sort of off in this side street. And if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't know it was there. It's right. not on the main high street. And, and But where does he get his veg from? I believe it goes up to Kew Gardens or somewhere. Not Kew Gardens. Um, the big place. Oh. That, um, well, like, like Covent Garden. Covent Garden. Covent Garden. They go up there and get their vegetable every morning. So right. yeah. Market, basically. But yeah. But it's, I mean, see, that's the thing now. I'm, I'm beginning not to trust anybody. No. That's the problem. Um, because... It's you can easily you can blanketly say oh supermarket veg is is not very good, because it's on such a massive scale that m most likely it isn't or any of the nutrients are sort of supplements that have been shoved in afterwards which doesn't sound very healthy, um, so I don't trust that. that that's an easy thing to say I don't trust, but green grocers the options for them and you you know they can go up to Covent Garden, but what are the where is the veg that they're then buying in whatever quantity they're buying it? Where is that? What's the origin of that? Is that also on large commercial firms that doesn't have the nutrients in? Because yeah. even at the end of the day, if the vegetables don't have the nutrients and minerals in, even though you may go to a greengrocer and pay a bit more and you may think that you're buying something that's healthy, is it? But how do you know? Well, it's a very, very interesting question. The only way to know is would be trying it and see how it affects yeah. you. And, or if you knew the farm, you know, if you knew, yeah. you know, you go back to the old days when local farms used to produce local stuff. You could see the farm. You could see how they farmed. Yeah. You could see if they're spraying stuff on them or you could, you know, have a look and taste and, and, and all those things. And... You could go, well, actually, you know, so-and-so's farm's not so hot, but I love the food from such-and-such such farm. I don't know what it is. It's, it's just really, really good. But, you know, you just don't know. You're at the mercy now of somebody going up to Covent Garden and hoping that they're buying the right stuff because yeah. Yeah. you can't trust the supermarkets <laughs> anymore. Yeah. I mean, we also have a farm shop near us, in between our two houses, shall we say. I won't mention it because it's actually a very good farm shop. It's got a pick-your-own and the food there is actually pretty good, but they do have to go up to a market to buy a lot of their vegetables right. in, even yeah. though they've got the farm there. Oh, see, right, so they're not farming enough. I but... think it might be people expect strawberries all year round. Yes. And that's not possible. Right, yeah, so... no, of course, that's right. I mean, that's the, the other thing is, of course, if you're buying out of season, then 
you know that you're going to be getting food that's travelled well. Yeah. And if it's, as you said, with, with leaves and things, um, it's it, if it's only got a, in its natural state, it's only got a, a day or two shelf life, it's not going to last the journey unless they've done something to do it, like put it in a plastic bag with whatever gas it is, helium or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the gas is, but it doesn't sound very not pleasant either no. way. So part of my epiphany yeah. was um, to buy some land and turn myself into a bit of a farmer, not a farmer, but a, a smallholder. Yeah. Um, so a step up from an allotment. Uh, now, somebody emailed me today and said they had um, a third of an acre and they had done, they'd grown enough for themselves, enough for their friends and enough to sell right. at, at the gate on a third of an acre. And I thought, wow, OK. Now, I, I not, I mean, I ought to know the size of an acre, but unless you um, are, what, buying land or, you know, you can walk around a, a 10 acre field but you still don't get a measure of what an acre is yeah and so i've been sort of going well how how big is an acre because i thought an acre was actually much smaller than apparently it is um i suppose i thought an acre was probably about the the length of my terraced house and its little yeah. tiny garden yeah well i know my garden is 0.8 of an acre so i would say about 12 10 11 12 of my back gardens would make up an acre right gosh so, so it's, it's quite big it's quite big it is quite a big area they do say that a garden half the size of mine can be enough to feed a family of four if you intensively farm it and you're on it a lot yeah. which is very very hard to do if you are working at the same time yes i mean obviously you've got to take in account the the soil conditions and yeah. what what will grow in that type of soil it's heavy clay or light sand or whatever it is um so i appreciate all of that so i mean i was um, you know my glib my glib thought was a couple of acres would be would be a, a minimum um because i would also want to have a bit of a hay meadow so that I could um, effectively create and generate enough. Well, I would have rotation going on a bit yeah. like, you know, sort of copying the old traditional farming. So you can have an area where you would grow old um, style um, grasses and clovers and sanfoin and all these sort of old traditional herbicides herb herb herbaceous plants yeah to get the terms right <laughs> um you can see i'm sort of learning on the job here um so you'd have an area that that might be an acre of that land and you would let that grow for a year this is in my in my mind you've got to plant it and let it grow and then that will all just die You'd mow it and dye it and feed it back in onto itself so that you're nourishing the thing. Yeah. Or you're going to hire some uh, animals like sheep and do the whole thing about they feed it, they poo it up and fertilise it and you move them around overnight. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how feasible any of that is, but you're effectively putting in all these nutrients that was, was good and you'd spend however long and necessary a year i suppose to feed that so then that becomes your growing space yep 
than the other acre, you are doing what you've just done to the other one. Yeah. Um, it may be that you divide it slightly differently because you you know um, yeah. t- you could probably divide it into three spaces. So um, whatever that works out with two acres, I would want to have a a wildlife area, so a pond, um, and an area where you could encourage any of the wildlife that's attracted to to eat from there rather than what you've grown so that they're not trying to dig into your lettuces potatoes radishes whatever you've you've sprinkled an area to sort of say hey you can have what's there just leave mine alone right yeah obviously you'd write notices up so they could read it and stuff (laughs) or fence it up or however you need to protect it which i'm i'm sure i'm making it sound really easy and in partly in my head it seems a very simple thing but I know it's not. I know it would be incredibly difficult. And I was just saying to Richard before we started recording, I've got some poppies which I planted two months ago in the front of my house in my garden. And they came up and they were very nice, very easy, didn't have to do very much. But a dog went past and just dug them out. It could have been a fox. And it just made me aware that, yeah, of course, you're going to have all sorts of issues with your crops that you may not have thought about. And I was really annoyed that mm. just my, just simple poppies, you know, yeah. that yeah. Hadn't, I hadn't had to nurture or do anything to, had been destroyed. Um, and I would be more livid, of, of course, if it was a field of something or you've got blight or some sort of, um, you know, uh, fungus or something mm. on your problems. Mm. Now, now, you know all that. Well, I, I was going to share an experience of something that I've been... Or playing on my mind today, funnily enough. Now, I've got chickens at home, as you know, and I love my chickens. They're, they're absolutely brilliant in the garden. Now, my idea with the chickens and my long-term plan is to make a chicken tractor so I can move them around from bed to bed when it's empty and they can do right. the work like you were talking about the sheep. However, when I'm at home, I don't like my chickens being locked up in their coop. I want them out in, into the garden. The trouble is... And even though I've netted off my pak choy, they've got under that netting and they've destroyed my pak choy. Right. As they destroy a lot of my plants that I plant in, which means I have to go around netting everything, which is annoying. I don't like the look of it, but it's a case of having to work with them or I have to get rid of the chickens. So, I mean, that sort of says to me that, the, I mean, there's obviously a, a trade-off and expense here between... Yeah. What you, how you net or fence or cage or whatever has got to be quite substantial to stop the chickens or the predators or whatever to get in. Yeah. And you can't scrimp on that, it seems. Yeah. Because That's, they the buggers will get in there. The buggers yeah. will get in. I mean, I've got hoop nets. Now, they were fine. They've been on under these nets for quite a while. Uh, this was when I had my lettuce in there, my endive, and they didn't attack it. They left it alone. Then I removed all the netting to give it a really good weeding and a really good sort out. And for some reason, they found a way underneath them, and they've been... So you've got to destroyed. be vigilant then, haven't you? <laughs> you've got to be right and, on it. Yeah. got to be right on it. And what with 101 other things that you're doing? Yeah. These are all... So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can appreciate that it's, it's, it's a full-on task, and especially if you've got quite a bit of land, more than 
say an allotment land you know an acre or two acres and you you've got lots of projects going on at once assuming you can afford all of this that's the other thing yeah because i'm sure you know the land is one expense but you're probably going to be investing because you suddenly need equipment and stuff yeah because you can't just go well i've got the land now oh hang on (laughs) <laughs> just a spade or a fork that's not really going to cut it is it i may no. have to hire in a rotavator to go up and down and churn stuff you know you can't just oh i'll just dig it in the afternoon it's like <laughs> well wait a minute how much is that going to cost and then you've got to seed it and do all the stuff and and stop the birds from eating it and you know i know it's going to be an issue um and it is a bit pie in the sky at the moment yeah um, you're doing your homework at the moment yeah um, at the moment, it's glossed over with rose-tinted glasses, you know. But I, you know, the more you speak to people, and and in on my channel, the Board Explorer, the YouTube channel, I am, I've got some interviews coming up with um, a family that do mixed farming over at Slindon. I've got that in a couple of weeks' time, um, and it's funny now. I started talking about this on my channel, and people are coming out of the woodwork, and eager or willing to talk about their side of the thing the stories and things that went wrong and and things to look out for so i'm in no rush to buy the land and get it done by christmas no um i've got to raise the money first to buy the land let alone anything else (laughs) so uh but the i there is a there is a rush because i want to start eating good food because i'm of a certain age and I don't want to get dementia and diabetes and cancers and things because I want my body, as I'm in my middle age, to um, remain fit and healthy. So on, on this subject of starting now, now, you do have a house. Your front garden is tiny. Your back garden is tiny as well. And your back garden gets no light. But both of these are areas you could start growing your own food in. Now, your front garden, as you just said, with the dogs. Well, I learnt with the front garden, everything would have to be raised about four foot, yeah. probably in line with the window. So that would stop dogs and, and animals. You know, they'd have to be very... It wouldn't stop birds, but it would have to stop. So I could do that. I could, I could raise the bed right up. Yeah. And then, OK, the dogs can come in and they can do whatever they want underneath. I wouldn't want them to do that, but it wouldn't be on my crop yeah yeah um i would be worried about the the diesel and the this you know the atmosphere that they're growing in the front of the house because it's a busy road yeah the back of the house is difficult because there's no space and i've got logs because i have a wood burner and i scrounge logs when i can or people give me logs or bits of old tree and there's barely enough space just to walk up the passage, as you know. <laughs> yes, I do know. But again, I see that as being more a case of trying to work with it. So you've got some wood stores. You could be growing on top of those if they weren't full of wood. Well, I yeah. can say there's certainly one, but it's the light is an issue. The, well, you could grow something like spinach, which does quite well in shade. Oh, right. OK. I so, mean, these are things that one would you know, yeah. like to know, really. Yeah. What about beetroots and things? Beetroot probably do okay in the shade, actually, yeah. And peas will do quite well in the shade oh, okay. as well. Uh, and there's still time to get all these going. It's not too late. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. Here we are in July as we record this. Um, and and just thinking, I wonder what I can plant now 
yeah. that will will provide me something in however long it takes. Yeah. Well, you go down to a garden centre, you will still see they're selling tomatoes, cucumbers, pretty much everything at the moment. And what about the compost that you buy? Is that... Because I can't help... Again, I can't help feeling that the compost... You know, I have now, having read this book, I just feel that anything commercially produced is not going to be terribly good, especially cheaper ones, because it's commercially produced on such a grand scale yeah this is going to be quite a difficult one to answer without getting into the truth or knowing the full science behind it but what i would say there are good companies and there are bad companies so if we can do our research we find the good companies of some good suppliers of compost then you'll probably be okay and the ones i would say that they sell in the likes of the garden centers the compost that they probably have there is, and whatever you grow in it, is still going to be better than what you can buy from a supermarket. Right. So it might just be you're taking that first step. It's not yeah. quite where you want to be, but you're taking that first sure. step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, when it comes to making compost, because these commercial country companies are doing it on such a big scale, they get a better quality compost because it can heat up faster, it can rot down quicker because it's in such a big pile the stuff that we make at home because it's in smaller piles right doesn't quite get as hot so oh, it's I see. not so quite... there, there are there there is some advantage to large scale yes yes than, than micro scale yes the downside of course is you don't know if let's take the council tip uh garden waste or garden compost they sell you don't know what's gone into that so then because it's all public or public oh, right. people I didn't even know that you could get it from the council too. yeah oh, right. yeah so they flood that on they flog all those bags that they take off oh right they, good idea what except you don't know if somebody sprayed it with weed killer yes and that's gone into there yes yes so, so it's, it's best to avoid it best to in my opinion i mean it's yeah i'm not a scientist to go into that just to me logically the best way is to go to a, either a company you know and trust yes or make your own. And I always urge make your own because you're going to be producing waste anyway, so you might as well put it to some use. Mm. Well, I think that's a challenge then. I think I can, um, I think I could do something in my front garden and some space in the back garden if I really think about it. Yeah. Um, and get that going now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's something to, to look at. Yeah. What about taking on an allotment? Because I, I know you've not mentioned really an allotment at any point. Well, the thing about an allotment for me is, and, and you know the kind of character I am, and sort of an, an all or nothing sort of character. Um, the thing about an allotment is that it does have rules and regulations. It has opening and shut times. Um, does it not? You can, not, 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 not all Some do. Some do, okay. But, I, I don't know anything. Also, you've got neighbours... Yeah. Um, and, and all of that and people are growing stuff, which, you know, on one hand is quite good because you've got security on those neighbours and things. But I, I part of this would be I would be filming it. <laughs> and um, part of it, although it is to grow, essentially, it's about storytelling as well. So I would be doing this as part of my bald explorer and it would become a bit of a set. So um, for me, an allotment is it's a bit small for how I would want to do it because you know I want a dew pond and a and a, yeah. a meadow and when I say a meadow I'm not talking like a 10 acre meadow I'm talking about 
a third of an acre yeah you know area that would have bees and pollinators and things like that um and I want to be able to put a caravan on this, even if I can get a, you know, like a bit of land, even if you can't build on it, as long as you could put a caravan on it or a shed on it that you could keep in for one night or two night occasionally, so you could be up there working really late. That's what I would like. Um, I wouldn't necessarily need electricity and stuff because you could have a generator. Um, and I just want to be a bit private. Yeah, right. I understand that. Um, which is why to me an, an allotment just is too it's it's great and i'm not knocking allotments by any means no, yeah. um but they're very hard to get onto as well you've got to get on a list and you you know it takes a little bit of time and you don't even know what bit of land you're looking at and normally you get the worst bit of land as well uh, and yeah 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 um and i you know i I'm a stubborn old mule. I want to do it my way, like so many, so many people. <laughs> I want to make my mistakes, and I don't want Mr. Jones coming over going, "Oh no, you don't want to do that. What are you doing?" I think that's a bit. I don't want any of that because I'll be filming it. I'll have plenty of people telling me how wrong I'm doing it, yeah, and telling me how I ought to be doing it, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's and there's, you know, let's face it, if I'm doing my board explorer channel there's loads of people who do allotment videos i don't want to tread on their toes i don't want to tread on your toes i want this to be uh, more of an adventure than a pastime or a, you know a hobby or something that you do this this is a bit of a life a lifestyle yeah. change um so that would be the step so i can certainly fiddle around here and try and grow some stuff but I would, you know, I'm somebody who would like to throw himself into the deep end and have an adventure with it. Sure, sure. And well, lions are too safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel the land isn't going to. I mean, the price of the land around here is very, very expensive, as we know. And I just, I want the type of person that if you can't do it where, where you want to go, what can you do to start on that road? Yeah. And I just say you do have. And I've said this to you for years. You do have a front garden. You do have a back garden. There oh, yeah. is stuff that can grow, put it to use. Yes, they can grow some of the stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I eat a lot of potatoes. Yeah. So I don't know how many potatoes I could grow in the front garden, whether I could just grow enough potatoes to live on. No, no, definitely you won't be able to do that. Definitely, definitely, definitely yeah, you not. See, that's, that's, <laughs> you, you say, so already I'm thinking, well, what's the point? Because, yeah. Um, Buying, you know, growing a little bit of spinach or a bit of this, it's like, mm, I just, I want to have enough potatoes that I can just keep growing enough to, to go and I don't have to worry about it. It's like no. when you buy logs, you know, I buy logs in sufficient quantity that it'll last me three months and I don't have to think about it. But if you had to every time think, oh, I've only got enough logs for one or two fires and then I'll either have to go out and buy or scrimp and what have you, it just seems a pointless exercise. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I say you won't have enough space for growing potatoes is because, well, you don't have enough space. Right. And potatoes are fairly cheap to buy anyway. Then they're quite big plants and everything goes on underground. Yeah, the, 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 yeah OK, I got that. The, the business about buying them anyway, Yeah. that's not why I would be growing them. No, no. Because I want them to have the nutrients, nutrients and minerals. of course, yeah. Uh, so, that, yeah, I can buy them over the road, but if they're just vapid... Yeah. Is that the right word? Vacant. Um, if they've just got nothing in them, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If they are just, 
you know, then they're not doing me any good to eat them. No. They might not be doing me any harm, but they're harming me by not giving me the nutrients I need. Yeah, yeah. But then if we looked at peas in your back garden, I reckon you could probably grow enough peas to last you all year. Right, okay. So that's, again, I would urge away from the potatoes and go towards the peas, Yeah. given the confines of your space. I, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't know how nutrient-rich peas are when you buy them and they're frozen. Uh, again, you know, they are grown. I mean, well, this is the other thing, actually, I wanted to bring up. I forgot to mention this earlier. Something like peas that are frozen within an hour, they tend to hold on to a bit more nutrients than the carrots that's dug out of the ground and it's just left on the shelf. Because right. as that carrot's dug up, it's basically dying. It's it's losing its nutrients. So you're better buy frozen food. You're bought, you are actually better buying frozen food because it mm. does retain a lot of its nutrients more. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 And something like sweet corn. Now, I grow sweet corn, corn on a cob. If you harvest it, you've got to get it into a pan of hot water within an hour because otherwise all the sugars turn to starch and it loses a lot of the sweetness. All right. An hour's not a long time to get that into no. a pan of water. No. Well, again, this is where the land would be brilliant because I'd be eating on the land. Yeah. You know, that's where your caravan or shed or whatever. And you'd have some form of um, wood-burning stove or something which isn't going to affect anybody because you're on this bit of land in my ideal rose-tinted world is not against somebody's house so they can complain uh, or there's no order saying no barbecues or whatever. And so I would be eating as I'm working, you know, yeah. as you've done in your podcasts or in your videos before, you've got your food on the stove yeah. and then you go out and do some work and you're eating healthily as you go. Yeah. Um, to me, that would be that would be part of it. Yeah, yeah, I used to love doing that on mm. the a lot when we were allowed barbecues because it just seemed to go. It's fitted so well with what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, and and, and and that's the. I mean, the other thing is, it's it's the it's the lifestyle. It's not just here's a bit of land that you, you you're renting. It's yours. Yeah. So although you may not be able to build on it because that would be very expensive land. But if you're able to have a shed and what have you, and you can put your feet up and doze off if you've got the time and you've finished all the work or whatever, you're just having that rest period, and you've got some form of cooking apparatus there, whether it's effectively a barbecue, but you can use pans and stuff, and you cook up your food and you sit back in an evening and watch the sun go down and watch the, uh, the foxes come in and eat your chickens, um, and you can just... You know, it's part of the life. It isn't that I just want to grow veg and then get all, come back to an ordinary life. You know, I want to have my books yeah. on me. I want to put my feet up at the end and feel I've done an honest job, pull out the potatoes, get that sweet corn, harvest it within 30 seconds, or boil it up, and sit there and, you know, have a homemade beer, read a book, doze off, and then about sort of 11 o'clock wake up and think... Oh crikey! I better go home. Or yeah. I better go in the caravan, and and it's a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's... And you're eating healthily, you're working healthily, and you're getting sunshine or rain <laughs> <laughs> or all that you know. And it, it that's 
it's a dream. Of course, it's a dream. It's a, it may be an impossible dream. Mm, well, it's a dream I share because I've always wanted my own patch of land that yeah. I can do exactly this on. So. And I think it's primeval. You know, there's, there's, mm. there is a part of me that as I've got older, I've started, I don't want, I don't have a television now. I don't watch television. I haven't watched television for about 10 years. So I have no idea what's on. I don't watch, what, I read, I watch a little bit of YouTube, of course. Um, and I make my own content, but I don't want to sit in the computer sitting on Facebook following other people, their lives. I don't want to live my life. I don't want to watch other people live their life. I want to live my own life. Mm. And I want my hands in the dirt and I want to be able to sit back there and go, yeah, I've done this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that seems a primeval need that the modern world with all its labor saving devices has is robbing me of right yeah and it's a it's a it's a satisfaction that on this earth you know we've come from nothing we're going to go back to nothing and all the flashy modern sitting around couch potato stuff of of ipads and this that and the other although i'm making content for that um is not for me mm. you know i i i want to feel the natural world and I yeah. want, and the yeah. other thing is why why have the meadow and the pollinators and things? I want to watch the birds and the bees. I yeah. can't see them in my garden now. I see nothing. Gulls, seagulls, yeah, get them. But I want to sit there and I want to see nature. I want to be with nature. I want to, you know, see the trees and see the acorns drop. I, yeah. You know, that's. I can't afford to buy a house in the countryside with a large acreage. Couldn't afford to do that. No. Uh, so the nearest thing is to is to find some some crappy bit of land somewhere that's away from everybody and create an oasis. Sounds like a good plan. Whether it's possible <laughs> or not, whether it's a dream, and I'm sure it's a dream, and lots of people on, on Facebook and uh, YouTube are saying, you know, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to do that. And I think, it's, I think it is yeah. in man. Yeah, I do. And I think we've lost mm. that. We've lost that connection. Yeah. Well... Well, thank you so much for joining me Pleasure. today. And this has been this has been really, uh, really interesting. It's fired something back up in me as well. I've got oh, to say. Good. So, oh, good. yeah. Thank you. Now I know I've got a few small holders listening. So if you want to get in touch and uh, share their experience, I'd love to come and actually chat to a small holder and find out a bit more. So please do. Now you can email me Richard at VegGrowerPodcast.co.uk. You can visit the website at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk and you can find me on social media, just search for The Vegrower Podcast. But for today, please take care and I'll speak to you all again next time. <laughs>